Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Today's episode is focused on one man, Hunter Dickinson, and his decision to enter the NBA draft after his freshman season at Michigan. Why did he go this route? And what comes next for him and Michigan basketball? We discuss on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be back. Thanks for uh, holding down the fort in my absence. Glad you're back. Yeah, nice nice trip back home to New York. Got to a Mets game at City Field. Ooh, the, the New York Metropolitan. I was going to ask if you went to a Nets or Knicks game. I didn't even think about the Mets, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't. Were the Nets home too? Maybe they were. I don't know. I'm not not a huge NBA fan, as you know. And I, the Knicks tickets were just absurd. I guess Nets tickets may be a little easier to come by. But, you know, the major indoor sporting event, maybe not quite ready for that yet. But, yeah, sitting outside. It was the only game the Mets lost in the series to the Rockies. But so be it. So I assume you didn't see the drum pitch? He was the next night, of course. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, I got the tickets at the, you know, weeks ago. So it was, it was a complete guess. and. You know, then DeGrom goes on the injured list uh, and then they announce it. Then I was like, oh, he could actually return for my game. But of course, it was it was the game after. But what are you going to do? Yeah, the Mets are just completely, completely depleted roster. They have a little uh, lineup. They have like these base giant baseball cards when you when you walk in in the main rotunda uh, with today's lineup. They hadn't bothered updating it from the previous home game, which was not the night before. It was two weeks before they were just on a long road trip. Uh, it, had, it had all those players. And then if they, if it's like a new call up or something, they don't have their picture yet. So it's just, they just put the Mets logo. So there were two of those from the last one. And if they had, if they had updated for that game, there would have been, you know, even more because just all these random players they have. So it's kind of funny, but still first place, New York Mets. All right. So yeah, we're, uh, we're talking Hunter Dickinson today as earlier this week. He declared for the NBA draft. He kind of, kind of waited till the, if not the buzzer. You know, we were in the final, final two minutes of the game here with the with the deadline approaching. I don't know the fact that he did it. Did it surprise either of you guys? Because it, it wasn't a huge shock for me that he's he's declared at least. Uh, he's a Big Ten freshman of the year. It, it was a surprise at the very beginning when I when I first like started reading it, but then I realized that this the rule changed where you can still declare for the NBA draft and leave the eligibility door open for you for yourself. Right. So, yes and no. I mean, I guess it, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I was actually looking, and there's like 60 players that have entered that are projected to go undrafted. So, I mean, it, it's a large pool right now. So, I mean, I assume he's not going to be the, I mean, there's going to be guys that decide to return to school. Um, but yeah, to, to do it this late, it's like, all right, I mean, what changed from 
I don't know, a couple of weeks ago till now for him to do it just before the deadline. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it doesn't really hurt for him to, to test the waters a little bit and, and maybe get a little bit of feedback and, and know more what he has to work on in, um, in this terms of NBA scouts heading into his sophomore year. Let's be clear too. Like this, I think this is a good move. Just and, and this is a recent rule change, but I'm glad the NBA is allowing this, where guys can kind of go in and test the waters and get feedback and the like. Because before, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you declared, you declared, you couldn't come back, right? Well, it depends how far we're going back. I mean, they've they've made rule changes over the years. The most the most recent one was, which was uh, it was it was 2019, was the change that you can actually hire an agent. I mean, it has to be an NCA certified agent. Um, and there was some, you know, controversy over, over that initially. Um, but if, if you hire one of those, you can actually have them, you know, act as any agent would for you in, in which they, you know, they can pay for your, uh, trips to meet them, to meet with teams for workouts, uh, you know, meals and lodging and all that, during that time. And then you, you, you make your decision. You're going to stick with them and stay in the draft, or are you going to cut ties and, and go back to school uh, and then, you know, uh, revisit it again the next year. So, you know, that's, that's something the NCAA did because they felt it was maybe going on anyway, to a certain extent, these sort of, you know, handshake deals uh, that, you know, where, where guys kind of had agents, but, you know, were were you know when they couldn't because they'd lose their eligibility. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you say why not, and I I hear you on that, but it's also it's still it's still a process. You're still I, you don't do it just to do it. Like I don't think he's doing this unless he thinks there's a chance he might stay in the draft and enter the league. So, you know that that that's the thing. Like Michigan could certainly lose him, but you know Ryan's point about. 60 plus players, you know, in this draft that are projected to go undrafted. Yeah. I mean, that's the, there's going to be underclassmen who stay in the draft and don't get picked. It happens every year. You know, I think it'll be, you know, Dickinson in particular, he'll get his feedback. He'll see where he's projected to go. He probably won't get invited to the NBA draft combine. And these things will be not red flags, but they'll be, indicators that, oh, well, I'm probably maybe not going to get picked then. And now it's not, now it's not the time for me to enter. And, and for him too, I feel like, I mean, what he did his, his freshman year and, and with how much Michigan is losing next year, I mean, he was a uh, important piece to last year's team, but he's going to be even more of a focal point if he comes back um, and, and have more of an opportunity to hone in different parts of his game and take on a, a bigger role too, and probably improve his draft stock. Um, with a sophomore season too. So, I mean, that's another thing that for me, it's like, it would, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm not in, in the room with him and, and in his feedback, but it, it would make sense to me that if he, if he does return and, and improve his stock a little bit and build off what he was able to do as a freshman. Do we think that, I don't know, do we think maybe his draft stock has suddenly risen in the last week, few weeks, months at all? I mean, is there, is there surprise behind the curtain that we don't know about you think? No, I don't think anything's changed since the since the season ended. A scout I had talked to, you know, I reached out to, you know, a few earlier in the month, you know, about about Franz Wagner and then, you know, Michigan seniors who had decided to leave. Uh, Isaiah Livers, Shawnee Brown, Mike Smith. You know, Hunter Dickinson I didn't really ask about because he hadn't declared and it was it didn't seem like he was going to. Uh, you know, one scout at the end of the call then asked me, he's like, you know, what are you hearing about Dickinson? He, you think, you know, you think he's staying. 
And then he, you know, he tells me that's what he had been hearing that he was, you know, staying in school from his camp, uh, you know, his, his, his family and, and coaches, people back in the, in the Washington DC area. Um, you know, and he's like, that seems like the right move. You know, he'll develop under Juwan and all that, you know, but he also said, listen, you, you, we've talked about how the NBA is moving, you know, basketball in general, you know, it's moving to, if not positionless basketball, you know, as many guys on the floor as possible that can shoot and dribble and pass. And Dickinson just didn't show off all those things this past year. He's capable. You know, he's got good touch. He, he was a good foul shooter this year. Um, he's a good passer. But he took four three-pointers, college threes, and he didn't make any of them. So it's like, from that perspective, okay, you want to see more of that. At the same time, you know, there are plenty of backup bigs in this league who who are just physical you know, low post players. I mean, I know the game is moving towards that, but there's still always going to be a place in the NBA for, you know, more of just a, a traditional seven footer, if you will. So it's interesting. I mean, like, is he ready for the NBA now? Yes. Could he stand to spend another year under Jawan Howard's tutelage? Yes. Like both those things are true, I think. So it'll be interesting. His age is another thing to look at. He'll be 21 on November 25th, okay? So, you know, he stays in school, you know, just a few weeks into the season. He'll be be able to go get a drink at Garage Bar. Uh, so so that that's where he he's at. So he's, he's 20 and a half right now. Go look at, like, the mock drafts for this year and look at the age of guys, and it's more like 19 and a half. I mean, I mean Franz will turn 20 uh, in, in late August. So, you know, he, he he's almost a full year older than a guy who, who's already got two years of college under his belt. Now, again, Franz is young for his his class, but but still, you know, guys that age typically aren't getting picked like in the lottery. Now, again, he he doesn't need to go in the lottery to to feel like it's worth attention to the draft. But it's just interesting. Like they say, he's not getting any younger. It's crazy to think about you know a 20, 21 year old you know thinking of as old, but for NBA draft standards, yes, he is. So that, that's another thing to look at. Yeah, that's a good point. And so much of the NBA draft now, and we've talked about this in the past, is is NBA teams drafting upside. I mean, they're drafting guys who may not necessarily be ready for the NBA yet, or maybe they just don't know. But they're talented enough; they feel like they if they give them a year or two to develop, they can turn into you know blossom into a, a you know a, a rotational guy or a starter. And I wonder what again we don't know, but I I wonder what NBA teams think about Hunter Dickinson right now. I mean, is is you know, had Dickinson had this been his like senior year, he was out of eligibility, had to go to the NBA draft, you have no choice. I wonder where he would have ended ended up. And I think that's where I'm most curious right now, where he stands with things. Because look, if if he goes in the second round, say he's a second round pick right now at this point, or even you know, a fringe first round guy, you know, what what is his ceiling? Where do they think he can end up? Because you mentioned his, you know, inability or struggle shooting from the outside the perimeter how much better can he get how much more can he increase his draft stock is i guess my question yeah and i i think he can i think because i think that's that could be part of his game i don't think it's like yeah that's just that's never going to be there like you look at his you know free throw percentage you look at you know what he did you know at the prep level and you're like okay there's that could be part of his game you know as far as uh you know what ryan was saying about you know if he comes back and his role on this team Michigan loses Franz Wagner. They lose Isaiah Livers. They lose Mike Smith. Those are those are three of their starters. They lose Shawnee Brown, like kind of their top reserve. There are going to be shots to had to shots to be had in this offense. I mean, he was already their leading scorer and leading rebounder, but I think even more offensively will will fall on him uh, because 
you know, so many, you'll have Eli Brooks back, but he's not a high volume guy to start with. The rest of these guys you're filling in are going to be several freshmen will, will, will be, you know, worked into this rotation. And, you know, obviously Dickinson was a freshman last year and Joan had no problem playing through him, but it'll just be interesting. He'll definitely be, I think, get even more uh, touches and even more freedom uh, offensively uh, this year. If, if he, if he stays, I, I just think it's a, it's a huge decision that he's going to make for himself, but for, for Michigan, because, you know, he comes back, he's big 10 preseason player of the year, potentially he's, you know, first team preseason all American, maybe, and he, he's just an anchor for, for this team that, that loses a lot. He doesn't come back. Ooh, I mean, boy. now who's <laughs> you're, you're losing Austin Davis too. You know, now you've got, you know, Musa, you know, Diabate coming in. I mean, he's a top 20 recruit, six foot 10, but he's more right now of just a kind of shot blocker, energy rebounding guy. He's not like a play through him in the post yet. He, he's a little raw offensively, as they say. So, I don't know. I, I I just think you like him a lot more coming off the bench and seeing what you got from him than like you're our you're our day one starter. Uh, and you don't have to go that route. You can go small right from the start with Brandon Johns Jr. You could, uh, uh, you know, you can try other things. But man, it's a nice luxury to have if he comes back. Is, is there any bigs left in the transfer portal? <laughs> yeah. So that's the other thing. I mean, like we're kind of late in that game, right? Like it's you know. Yes, is the answer to your question, but that's on today. That's May 28th. Like his decision doesn't have to come till July 7th. Like by then, you know, freshmen have reported to campus and, you know, we're, we're getting, we're getting going with some summer workouts and, you know, the season's just a few months away. Like, I don't know that that's pretty late in the game, but you know, you know, Michigan's got an idea of what he's thinking. Uh, you know, you'd think that they're expecting to get him back. Like, I don't think this decision caught them by surprise, but like I said, you don't just enter the NBA draft just to do it, just for the feedback. Cause his head coach is Shawan Howard. Like he, he can, he can get some feedback without going through this formal process. So I think by doing it, like he said, he's, his dream is to play in the NBA and uh, he, he looks forward to the feedback he receives to see what his next step will be. But, but I think the wording of his statement was, was very important. He he made sure to say, I'm getting an NCAA certified agent to retain my eligibility. This is the next step in my process. Not a farewell, but not a, I'm just dipping my toes. It's, you know, it was very, I, I want to eventually get drafted. Might happen this year. I don't know, but this is a step, a next step to take to get there. So we'll see how it all works out. I don't know. Prediction. What, what do you think? Where do, what do you think? You think he ends up staying at Michigan or staying in the draft? I'm just really curious about what the NBA thinks of him just because we yeah. haven't seen his name on any mock drafts. Like right. Franz was on there because everyone had kind of assumed he was leaving. And, and my question is, was Hunter not on those draft mock drafts because folks assumed he was coming back or because they didn't see him in the, in the top two rounds in the draft. And if that's the case, I find that hard to believe. So that's, I wonder where he stands. So that that's, I would like to know that before I made like made a prediction, but like the fact that he has hired an agent and is declared for the draft, Signals to me that he's probably thinking about more, more so going than than staying, but I, I really don't know. And that's this. I think decision is interesting, just because I think most of the time we have an idea of what a player is going to do, or we, you kind of go in the off season with an idea of what's going to happen. And with him, it was it was a mystery. I think every like you said, everyone assumed he was coming back because there was no announcement or anything. His name was on a board, and now that's that's kind of changed. So I, I'd be curious to see where he, where he ends up with some of these some of these mock drafts. 
I mean, yeah, it, it, I think Andrew mentioned in, in his story today that, I mean, he's not even listed among ESPN's top 100 prospects. I mean, that's quite, quite outside the range there. I, I know maybe some experts thought he was, he was staying and didn't consider him maybe for a top 100 spot. But, I mean, someone with his skill set and still, I mean, yeah, he's an older freshman, but with, with how, much, how many years of eligibility he has and the type of role he could take on next year, I mean, I think it's just too much of an opportunity to – come back and or I think he'll come back and, and try and improve his stock and, and maybe head into the draft after next season. But again, it's tough to say, but if I had to pick one right now, I'd say he'll, he'll return to Ann Arbor this year. Um, it, it's a great point that, that, you know, both of you make about, was it, was he not getting that serious look because, you know, by these, by these draft experts, because of, you know, the fact that, you know, they, they assumed he was staying like, that that will be interesting to watch if all of a sudden now he 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 just gets more you know more attention paid to him and oh let's see where he fits in this now that he's officially declared that but I don't know I just went on you know that ESPN list that that you know I did mention in my story uh you know all right let me go to see their prospects you know seventy six through hundred here on their last page and you know Drew Timmy is on there from Gonzaga um and he you know he just announced he's coming back and he announced he's coming back you know but just because there was some speculation, you know, I, I actually expected uh, Hunter Dickinson to make that similar announcement. If that's what he was doing, like anytime you're, you're being considered for it, it seems like these days you, you know, you make the announcement that you're coming back. So like, you know, he had never declared is my point. Uh, so in a way he was in the same boat as Hunter Dickinson. And yet he was listed here. Like he, he was, he was on ESPN's list because he was draft eligible, you know, and they viewed him as, you know, in, in this case, number 77. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would think he was being considered for this list because he hadn't said he was coming back and he's draft eligible. But now that he's actually gone that step to declare, it'll be interesting to see if he gets, uh, you know, if he gets even more look on here, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we said we were talking, you know, pretty much just Hunter Dickinson in this episode, and that was obviously the main focus. But there's been a little bit of football news we can we can drop in because it's important to people. It's kickoff times for games, and hopefully, uh, you know, some of these people will will be able to attend this season. And uh, yeah, Boring. we knew, we already knew this. <laughs> this is important. What time the game starts? Kidding me? Oh yeah, it, it matters. Believe me, I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten in the past from folks either mad or happy about a certain certain time. Absolutely. So run it down for us, Aaron. What do we got? We know what the first three or four games now, yes? Yeah, we know the, the first four times, kickoff times at least. Um, okay. now, announcements came out Thursday. Uh, the Big Ten and their TV partners uh, released kickoff times and TV networks. Uh, Michigan's home opener against Western Michigan, September 4th in Ann Arbor. Uh, is, is, not, is a noon kickoff. I guess that's not too big of a surprise. Yeah, to- buddy. <laughs> it's going to air on now this it's going to air on ESPN. So, I mean, I guess that's not a big surprise for Michigan fans, but you know, given the caliber of the opponent and that's, you know, not a knock at Western Michigan, but you know, the Mac typically doesn't get treated very well in some of these big, you know, non-conference games, but they're going to get an ESPN September 4th. Uh, we already knew the September 11th game against Washington is a night game, seven 30 and ABC that was announced a few weeks ago. Um, but we did also get a start time for the September 18th, uh, non-conference game against Northern Illinois. That is also a home game. It's going to be noon again on Big Ten Network. And then we got a kickoff time for Michigan's uh, Big Ten opener against Rutgers, also at home in Ann Arbor. 
Uh, that's going to be a 3.30 p.m. game. Uh, no TV has been announced for that one. It probably won't be decided until you know, a week to two weeks out. Probably given, obviously, it'll depend kind of where Michigan is at that point. If they're 3-0 and or they're 2-1, and I think it's going to matter. So, yeah, so we got those four, first four games. Kickoff times are determined. Then we already knew the Ohio State game uh, to close the season. November 27th is a noon game on Fox. So, yeah, five of the uh, 12 games we have kickoff times for. Uh, more to come. Typically, the rest of the slate, you know, we got road games at Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan State, um, Penn State. Those, those won't be determined until probably anywhere from 7 to 10 to 14 days out. I would not be surprised if there's another night game in there somewhere. Wink, wink, Penn State probably. Uh, because you know we know we know the TV networks love uh, showing Michigan at night. Look out for those great Chiano Starlet Nights, man. Oh, seriously, yeah. We'll probably get into this more in the off season as we get into their opponents and the, the Big Ten slate as a whole. But like, what Rutgers is recruiting well. We saw what they did last year under Chiano. They're not. I, I know folks don't want to hear this, but they're probably not going to be a cakewalk anymore. You know, that's not to say they're going to win the Big Ten East. It's very <laughs> competitive, but at Rutgers look out for them in the next couple of years. They're recruiting as as we know as we've seen reports. You know, they just landed the number one player in the state, of New Jersey. Uh, Seattle's starting to beef up recruiting there. Uh, yeah, Scarlet Knights going to be for real here probably next couple of years. We should get you know, get just a cross section of, of kind of the fan base or of attendees of games to see what, what they prefer. You've got the college kids. I feel like, do they, do they don't like noon probably three thirty maybe is good. Cause I don't know, maybe they prefer night, but that's all. This is a long, long day. Maybe you love it at kickoff, but by the second half, maybe not so much. Plus they probably can't. like the idea of a night game, but then yeah. once the game hits like 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Hold out. Then it's like, well, I don't know about that. You know? All right. Three uh, thirties yeah. were always my favorite. I mean, you you don't you can don't have to wake up early to start pre gaming, but you, and then you can just go right into the nighttime partying right afterwards. But three thirty, you said, yeah, three thirty was yeah, the yeah, ideal agreed. time. I like agreed. up early drinking at like eight a.m. and then no man, like three thirty. These kids are up late the night before. They don't want to be getting up early to start drinking. I mean, come on now. Yeah, I was different, I guess. Yeah, you're still different. (laughs) (laughs) You've got like, you know, the 70 year old season ticket holders. You got, you know, the families. You got the now uh, we'll lump it into, you know, people working the game, whether they're, you know, event team members or media members like ourselves. Folks forget, like, yeah, folks working the game or they're at the stadium all day. That's an all day thing. I mean, the game might be four hours or three and a half hours long, but like folks there, I mean, especially for us, we're there, you know, seven, eight, nine hours at least. I mean, it's it's a long day. That's why like, I don't I don't really mind the night games anymore. It's like I get a little more time at home, and then like the three thirty ones, it's wiping out the whole night for me anyway. Because okay, yeah, done at seven maybe, but no, that's when the game ends. But then there's so much to be done. By the time I get back, everyone's like asleep and done anyway. So it's uh, I don't know if you want to watch other games though. That's a factor. Then then maybe noon is best, noon especially is best with so many sure. of the night games being. Uh, the better games being at night now, you know, you can maybe catch the end of those three thirty games and then settle in for, for primetime games once your work's done. So yeah, it's a whole, that's always the ideal, ideal slot for, for me. And now as a reporter is get that noon slot in working right until like seven, eight and settle in for those nighttime showdowns, baby. Now, even better since we're in the, you know, the big 10 slate and the, we get the central time zone involved. Michigan's got road games this year at Wisconsin and Nebraska, both of which from the central time zone. 
Michigan's had noon games at Wisconsin before, which start 11 a.m. local time. That's even better for me. I love that. But again, that you guys probably disagree. Yeah, go away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully they'll be they'll be fans of these games again. Uh, you know, the state has opened has cleared the path for there to be fans here. You know, Michigan has not said officially what they're going to do, but uh, you know, again, things keep changing. But I, I would expect to see you know, close to a, a full, a full big house, how that factors in with, you know, people being vaccinated or mass or whatever yet to be seen, but. Yeah. Judging by every single one of Michigan's assistants tweeting, I think yesterday, hundred days till we packed the big house. Then um, it's sounding like it will be quite a few fans there, but again, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, if things continue trending the way they are with, you know, vaccine numbers going up and case counts going down, I would be shocked if if this the big house isn't full this or at least allowed to be full this fall. I, I can't guarantee every game's gonna be a sellout, especially given how the team's doing. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I it's it's gonna be I think it's gonna be full. It is so much more enjoyable, like with fans. I mean, some of these NHL at, playoff game atmospheres, like the the Knicks atmosphere, it's like, man, oh, it feels good again to to see these fans and see the crowds into the game. I mean, it just completely changes the the whole dynamic of of the actual sporting event. So it's it's good to see. As someone who, who's covered sports for a long time professionally and been in you know full arenas and packed crowds and the like, I think one of the moments I will never forget is being at Michigan season opener last fall at Minnesota, where the stadium was virtually empty. You know, they they allowed you know parents of, of players and the like in, so maybe I think there are like four or five hundred people there. But like it was weird going to an empty stadium where you could literally park next to the front door, the front gate, and just walk right in, and then just there's no one there. It was, it was surreal. It was weird. It was almost like you're in like a zombie movie or something, you know. It was, but yeah, I agree. I can't wait. It'll be fun just to be in that environment again, having to dodge fans after the game or in the press <laughs> conference and the like. It's, you know, I don't know. It's you're used to, you know. It's that's yeah. what that's what makes sports so great. Is obviously the the, the play on the field and the emotion, the like, but just the fan interaction and the, the the reaction, I think is what makes sports so great. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to seeing some of our listeners out at uh, Michigan stadium this year. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wolverine confidential. 